Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Pick. Three, two, one. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. What up, Ravens Flock? Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Jack Settlement. Join me today, and as always, is Kamar Aiken, former Ravens wide receiver, and the kid Gowie. Boys, boys, boys. Before we get into it, before we get into it, we're going to start around the league. COVID-19 finally hits the NFL officially. Uh, the Titans report a few positive cases. Their game against our rival Steelers is postponed. Uh, set to be played potentially on Monday night, though. So not a huge deal, but the facilities are closed. We have our first scare. Kamar and Gowie, um, NFL okay? Like, you know, they only really planned for the one bye week. They planned as if everything's going to be great. They finally get hit. What are you guys thinking? Uh, I, I haven't seen in the media much of, of them making a big deal about it, so I'm pretty sure um, they have it under wraps. Uh, when I was at the Pro Bowl, actually, uh, well, not the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I was at the Pro Bowl of Baltimore with their, their coaches, so I, I'm pretty cool with uh, Bobby Steele. That was my receiver coach. Uh, and the last time I talked to him, he said they had a pretty good uh, protocol in place for when it was an outbreak. Um, so I, I, I guess it's been working for them. Makes sense. Gally, what do you think? Any uh, any room for panic? Uh, I think there's no room for panic at the moment. Um, I know that the Titans said they had possibly about like nine cases. Uh, and obviously they have to double check up their teams that, um, that they played against to see if they happen to give it to anybody or anything like that. But I feel like NFL probably had a plan going into this just in case these type of things did happen. So, you know, it sucks that they can't practice and things like that. And they have to kind of be on a delay at the moment. But aside from that, I don't think it's time to press a panic button for the league. That's what I was going to say is if I'm a Titans fan, I'm pissed. Like my team, this is a big game. I mean, they think they have aspirations for the one seed. Sorry, (laughs) You don't, but I'll let you think that and be upset because no practice is brutal. Like, I, I mean, Kamar, can you talk on that? Like if, could you imagine going into a game without a week of in-person practice? Um, I think it's going to depend on the person. <laughs> For me, yes. Uh, in the beginning of my career, no. I need I needed the practice. I needed the, the, to get the reps. Uh, but I think some guys may be able to do it. Some guys actually need to go out there and, and get those reps. I guess from a game plan perspective, you can teach film, you know, via Zoom and all that stuff. So maybe we are putting a little too much stock in it. There's no doubt the Steelers will be at a slight advantage at the minimum. Uh, let's talk Monday Night Football or whatever I watch on the <laughs> television screen. All right, I'm going to start and I'm going to hit the panic button for the Ravens. <laughs> Not because I don't think... In a few months, the Ravens can be a Super Bowl team, and I have complete faith in the Ravens and their organization. But it's a panic because, like Lamar Jackson said, the Chiefs are your kryptonite. We're going to have to go through the Chiefs. We can't play from behind. I believe we can, but we haven't shown it. And the biggest thing is, for me, is Lamar Jackson. And it has nothing to do with him throwing the football or any of the stuff you're going to find on your traditional ESPN. It has to do with his leadership. He's always been the silent leader, and the guys love him, and he's an incredible player. And he holds himself to such a high standard that what happens is 
he gets upset at himself. But what he doesn't realize is that his body language turns very poorly. And this is this is my only explanation besides the weirdest ser- it's either a series of unfortunate events or exactly what I'm talking about. When Lamar doesn't play well, the Ravens just crumble. They fall apart. They disappear. Like, you can't block anymore, can't play defense, can't catch the ball. And to me, it just has to do with his body language and then the Ravens following suit. I don't know if you guys offer up a different opinion, but I think it just has to start with Lamar. You can hold yourself to a high standard, but you got you to gotta keep your head and stay positive and keep on your guys. Um, what do you guys think? Kamar, you start. Uh... I would say yes and no. I say his leadership, the way he leads it, uh, the, the quiet assassin. I, 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 I feel like that works for him, and I feel like guys got to still pick themselves up. Like at, at the end of the day, everybody has a job. I, I just can't look at one guy and say, "Hey, this one guy has to. He has to be in a, a good mood for us to all play better." Like it's gonna be days when he's not at his best or he's not in his best upbeat mood. So guys got to pick that up and, and kind of pick up that that momentum and carry it. He's not gonna be the guy to carry it every night. It's just not going to happen. That's, no that's asking and, a lot from him. And that's the second problem for me. That's the second problem, and we've talked about this. I think we have leaders in Calais and Lamar as a silent and Ingram when things are good, but do we have that guy when things aren't going well? Or why Like, why is the team crumble? It's not just Lamar who played bad Monday. And it was like uncharacteristic. Like, why does Mark Andrews start dropping everything? Why can't the best offensive line block? I, I don't have the answer. Give credit to Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what'd you see? What'd you see on Monday? I mean, to be honest with you, I think that Lamar pretty much laid it out and he kept it real. I mean, a lot of people felt like it's something that he shouldn't have said, but Kansas City is simply our kryptonite. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where you just got to call a spade a spade. Um, if you look at the team as a whole, even if you looked back at that Texans game, when I was watching the Texas game, Lamar's body language wasn't the best. Like, at one point, I thought he was sad. I was like, why does Lamar look so <laughs> upset or look mad or whatever? And it, that wasn't the case because the Ravens performed the way they were supposed to perform. So, uh, you know, when you talk about body language, I definitely get what you're saying because that is an important thing. A lot of teammates go off of the body language of their leader. But at the same time, based on the results from that game, I don't think that may be a thing. I kind of think maybe just Lamar is more poised now. Um, trying to focus on, you know, more so on the game and different things like that. But ultimately, I think it comes down to KC being our kryptonite because this isn't the only time we've lost to them. They really have our number, and they're the only team that has our number at this moment. So I guess it's all about really trying to get better and realize that this is the team you have to beat in order to win. And not to attach it to uh, basketball, but if you look at, like, the Houston Rockets versus the Golden State Warriors, like, yeah, you have to go keep going back to rebuild your team, trying to figure out what you need to beat this team but ultimately the Rockets just kept losing to Golden State they just couldn't do it so um, I'm not sure what needs to take place maybe it's a talent issue or maybe it's just a mental issue but once they figure it out they'll have a better shot at beating them no doubt I think one of the things I at least overlooked going into the game and I realized it briefly before the game and I was like, damn, this might be what kills us, is the rookie linebackers. We knew that Andy Reid and Mahomes would have a field day. Queen ends up getting benched. Not benched as in, like, you're horrible. Benched as in, you're a rookie, and you can't figure out the most complex offense, maybe of all time. Uh, defensively, Kumar, I mean, 
Is there an answer to limit these guys? The Ravens got no pass rush when we blitzed. He killed us. Like, that game got close for a second. It should have been like 50 to 6. Like, they smoked the Ravens. Uh, it was do, close, it was close but it wasn't really that close. That the, right. the numbers didn't really tell the, the, the true story of that game. But like I said last week, I, I said uh, the secondary was going to come up big. I felt like the secondary was going to have to be the X factor, and they exported that. Um, the, the guys that we felt like was going to be the guys on the back end didn't come up. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I seen the play uh, with Marcus Peters and, um, and the Cheetah. Uh, he kind of got bumped by the safety. Um, so you can sit there in the film room and argue, hey, he bumped me a little bit, put me out of position a little bit. But those are little plays you can't have against Kansas City or they're going to burn you for six. And I, I feel like the secondary, they, they just didn't win the challenge as far as them versus their wideouts and their skill position. Gowie, how do we stop the? How do we stop our kryptonite? Because it didn't look um, like we were stopping anything. <laughs> I mean, uh, first and foremost, I don't think you're going to stop Patrick uh, Mahomes. I, that guy's just a straight up dog. He's in a class of his own, and he's not making. He's not getting paid a half a billion dollars just because he looks good playing the game. Like this guy's really like that. So, in my terms, I like the the word limit. How can you limit Pat Mahomes? And I think the best way and the answer to all of this is the pass rush. If you can't get to him, he's going to be too comfortable. You cannot allow a Pat Mahomes, the best passer in the NFL, in my personal opinion, to have all the time in the world to hit his wide receivers. Because the thing with Mahomes and what makes him most dangerous is the fact that he's able to target more than one person. So he spreads the ball across the entire field. It's not he's locked in on his number one or he's locked in on his number two or somebody in the slot. It's number one, two, three. You got to deal with two running backs in the backfield, tight end. So the, the fact that Pat Mahomes spreads the ball evenly, there, I think during that Ravens game, there was like two people with eight targets, one with seven, five with six. So that ball gets passed around. And when you don't bring that pass rush, it's kind of dangerous. And not only do you affect – not only do you allow him to play his best football, but you also allow your defenders, especially your secondary, to get beat because if you're not giving them time to even try to mirror these guys, the ball's already out of Mahomes' hands, and that's a play right there. So, you know, the, the deeper the pass rush, the longer that the secondary can have to kind of get themselves together and make a play. It was he, he broke a lot of he broke a lot of tackles too in the uh, in the pocket a lot of tackles and 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 extended he the did. play. He looked like young Big yeah. Ben out there. Was, <laughs> but the funniest part is he to me he probably made he broke a few tackles he scrambled a couple third downs and then he made throws. a few throws. Mm-hmm. But the the magic of of that game was Andy Reid's play call and they have a tackle score a touchdown the the fullback underhand pass I've never seen stuff like that. Um, and, and what I noticed that I figured we would fix, but it didn't seem like we did, they came up to the line early and often out of the shotgun. He would say, hike, but it was just to see where pressure was coming from. And then he would adjust the play and hit Kelsey for eight yards. Like, he knew exactly where every single player was going to be. Is that something that we can adjust to? Is that something you need more disguises with? Is that something, like, where do you go? It seemed like... You're now not only giving the best play caller in football and the best quarterback in football with the best weapons, but they already know what's coming on defense. Is there is there a way to kind of fix a little bit of that? Like Gowie said, call a spade a spade. Andy Andy Reid Andy Reid was in his bag in the playbook. Um. In his bag, it felt like he was taunting the Raven. He didn't he didn't save like, anything. Like, come on, when it, not, 
I didn't mean to cut you off, Kamar, but when it got to the point to where he threw the touchdown to, uh, who was it, Eric Fisher? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like you know you in a different type uh-huh. of bag when you're throwing touchdowns to your offensive linemen. So, you know, we thinking they just walking around with a duffel. They have, like, a whole suitcase, bro. Like, it's a different type of bag. And I just think it's going to take more than just the mental aspect. Like, there has to be some type of strategy in there. No doubt. All right, I, I'm, I like challenging you guys on the pod because I think we come from different viewpoints. I went as far as to say I don't know if we play Ravens football anymore, which I think got overshadowed because we run the ball a lot and we, and we will beat you down your throat. But then I feel like we run a lot outside the tackles. We do pretty boy jukes. We do all that. Offensively, you could argue we pound the football, we play Ravens football. Defensively, though, like, I don't know. I, I've seen Ravens defense get, get lit up before. But it, it usually leads with someone knocking someone out, someone taking an unnecessary rough. Like, where was the pride? Where is there pride on that defensive end? Because it just felt like they kept coming. And even while they were coming, it didn't seem like they cared. The Ravens were just like, they're better than us tonight. We're letting it happen. Versus like, I'm going to hit you in the mouth. If you go score a touchdown, that's fine. Uh, I personally feel like that's been a reoccurring thing with the Ravens, honestly. At least this young team. It seems like when somebody has their number, it gets bad. Like, it gets real ugly. Uh, We saw that with the Cleveland Browns game. We saw that with the Tennessee Titans. We saw that with the Chargers. And we saw that with the Chiefs, uh, you know, a few nights ago. So, I just think it's a mental thing. Because, like you said, they'll, you know, they'll put it on your head every single time. Knock you out. All this other stuff. And they'll just beat you senseless. But then when it's that one team that's up for the challenge and they actually show up, then it's like, oh, damn, our back is against the wall. What do we like? What do we do? And I feel like mentally they tap out of that game and they chalk it up as a L before the game is over. Now, that's not to say that they still don't try to compete because, you know, they do a good job of trying to get momentum towards the end of the game and spark a little comeback. But. You know, that's once the game is really out of reach and now you're just playing for pride. So uh, that's just a reoccurring thing I've seen. And I think that may be a mental thing. Uh, like I said, we have young guys, so that's not to make an excuse for them. But it's just there has to be that one person to kind of bring them up, like you said earlier, to kind of get them in that right mindset to let them know, like who, remind them who they are when they're down. Yeah. Kamar, what do you think? You've seen a lot of good Ravens yeah, defense. I, I don't think they have that guy, though. Um, in, in the past years, or the good years, as far as defensive Ravens football, it was always built around that linebacker core. We always had a solid linebacker core, and it, and it kind of trickled to everything else. I don't see them having that right now with the young guys they got back there. I don't see no dog and nobody back there. I feel like everybody's doing their job, but there's not no real dog in that in that linebacker group that's just back there, like, taking control of the defense and saying, hey, you're here, you're here, do your job, do your job. I don't think we have that, though. Mm. I agree. And even your best corner, or whatever, both of them are all world, but Marcus Peters has less interest in tackling than my <laughs> grandmother. Like, they really don't. And... Deshaun, I mean, he's been playing great, but like Deshaun and Chuck, they're not hard hitters. They're, there's no pride in there. Uh, even Calais, who's incredible, it's not like he's, you know, loves to get involved in a, a big hit. So I think that we got to grow up and grow up fast. Fortunately, it's week three, and we play the 
Bengals, the Washington football team, and the Eagles in our next three games. So you can still be sitting 5-1, and one, and that's a good transition into this weekend's game. And from the bottom of my heart, I feel bad for Washington because they are going to get a – I mean, if the Ravens are good, they're going to get the Ravens best, and it's just going to be a punishing effort, I would assume. Kumar, what do you think – I mean – do we see, did the Ravens get exposed, or was that the best team in the league just beat us on a bad night, and the Ravens are going to be back? Uh, I feel like there's a little bit of both. Um, that was, uh, I feel like, one of the top teams in the league, and then they kind of did expose them in some areas as far as schemes and, and, and how they drew some stuff up and took advantage of some matchups. Um, I feel like this game coming up is a, is a big game. I feel like the Ravens should win and do, and do what they're supposed to do, but I also feel like this is a – like a trap game, if you if you'll call it. Uh, you're yeah. coming off a big Monday night game, off of a high game, and you didn't perform as you did. So sometimes that kind of carries over. So this is going to be a big week as far as how they prepare and 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 what's that morale in the locker room? Is it are we still that team from last year, or did we just get beat and we need to fix our issues and, and get back to work? So it, it's just going to depend on who shows up this week. And don't sleep on Washington. Washington, they got a pretty good team as far as making some plays and, and sticking around and, and, and staying in games. They have that defensive line. Chase Young is out, which I think bodes mm-hmm. well pretty, pretty much for the Ravens. But like you were saying, it's about matchups. And we know who the bad matchups are for the Ravens. A D-line yeah, that can get after mm-hmm. it, that's a bad matchup. Gally, what do you see on Sunday? Uh, for me... I think what scares me the most is the fact that a lot of people are running with the same blueprint from the previous games against the Ravens. So we talked about in a previous episode how Lamar doesn't look as explosive as he he used to, which I still don't think is the case because we saw a little flash of it last Mm -hmm. game. But I do feel like teams are getting smarter when it comes to containing Lamar. They're letting their uh, outside linebackers and DN stay on the outside to force Lamar in the pocket. But not just in the pocket, but they're making him step up in the pocket. And we have a weakened interior. So that way, you really just watch the line implode and it falls, collapse on Lamar. So I think that's a dangerous thing. And when you're playing against a Washington football team who is like mid-level when it comes to blitzes and QB hurries, I feel like that can be dangerous because you have a Kerrigan out there and you have these uh, these guys who can go out there and make a play, get a sack, take Lamar down. So... I really think that we have to focus on our run game because they do give up about like a buck 20 in rushing yards. So the run game is going to have to be intact. And obviously we can hit them over the top with a pass because they're going to be expecting to run eventually. Um, So that's my thing. I think that Ravens will squeeze this out even on a short week because, you know, Ravens are just that good. I'm not really concerned about the team as a whole. I'm just concerned about these contender teams. But yeah, that's kind of where my mind is right now. And while we're on the subject of running backs and running the ball, I do believe that Gus Edwards should be getting more touches. I don't think anyone in Baltimore <laughs> would fight that with you. Ingram, he's good He's good in a straight line, but he looks slow running side to side right now. I mean, Lamar looks slow. He looked fast on Monday. Lamar did look back to kind of his speed, but um, maybe those – Ingram legs are a little tired. They're taking a little to get turning, but I agree. Gus Edwards, there's there's no more reason why we have to watch him run for like nine yards a carry and then continue to say he's our third best running back. Well, like he's clearly. Exactly. He's, why do you think that is? He's, he's, uh, would it be fumbles? Would it be because other people open it up? You tell me. 
uh, I would say we drafted a guy pretty early. Uh, we invested in a guy. We have right. to see that guy out there. Uh, Ingram is another guy that's that's uh, 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 well-known back in the league or well-known good back in the league, and we also paid this guy. So these guys have to play. We're not paying guys to not play. And mm-hmm. I feel like a little bit yeah. of that comes into play with it. It's not just that you're just the best guy. Uh, it's who we also paying, who's, who's getting the money. And if the guy's getting the money, he's going to be out there. There's zero so. doubt in my mind <laughs> that there's a chance. No, there's zero doubt that there's a chance that exactly what you said, where Ingram's getting paid the most, we drafted Dobbins, and Gus is undrafted. And you could almost flip it on the depth chart mm-hmm. right now, where Gus is the best back, Dobbins is the rookie, but he looks great, and Ingram got paid, but he looks slow. And I think, obviously, early in the season, you'll you'll see the veteran and the guy who got drafted get the touches but as the season goes on i don't know if they'll i hope not that they won't mess around with that but you know it better than anyone it's a business it's a freaking it, business as long so, as gus continues um, to do what he's doing and getting the nine of pop by the time playoff time comes it's going to be gus back there <laughs> exactly exactly and that was that was a good thing to point out because I didn't even think about that. Like, obviously, politics play into everything, whether it's entertainment, sports, whatever. But that's actually a valid point that I didn't even think of because we're focusing as fans strictly on talent. And it's like, nah, you really oh, are paying man. this man a lot of money. And you drafted this guy in a top with a top pick. So it's like you got to make sure you're getting, uh, I guess you could say, for the most buck. bang for mm-hmm. your buck. You know, don't just let him sprout right. on the bench. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Uh, any concern? I mean, we just talked running backs, but I've I've said we talked about Miles Boykin, our our guy. Um, <laughs> any concern with the weapons? Because what I did notice on that one drive was the Chiefs eventually figured out, okay, we're going cover zero, and if you can run by us, you can. But like Hollywood couldn't really. I mean, he probably is that guy. Andrews was dropping passes, but I think they're like. If we guard Andrews in Hollywood, I don't know if Snead's getting open. I don't know if Boykin's getting open. Duvernay looked good on the kick return, but he's obviously still a young player. Do you think the Ravens have the weapons? Like, you look at Hill, Hardman, Clyde, Kelsey. I mean, it goes on and on for them. And then you look at our box score, and it's like Nick Boyle has a touchdown, and Andrews has three catches, and Hollywood has a couple catches. Um, and then you see names like Boykin, Snead. Are those Super Bowl names? Can they be Super Bowl names? I feel like it's scheme. Uh, those guys wouldn't be on the Kansas City roster because they wouldn't fit the Kansas City schemes. Right. They, they want speed guys. I feel like Baltimore, they want the guys that's going to get in there and do the blocking, uh, do the, the nit gritty. They have Hollywood that's going to be the guy to do the passing, but they don't really have that that versatile, I'm, I'm that – wide receiver that's going to run some routes too and demand the ball, and I'm going to block and, and do both. I don't think they have that. Um, but that group is not – I don't feel like the GM put that team together and those group of receivers for that. They, they put that together to fit what Lamar does best. Uh, and he, He's running the ball and, and hitting play-action passes. So those guys fit that mold and that scheme. So we, we're not going to see a, a, a Antonio Brown. We're not going to see him and him put a – we, I'm might. Saying, we, we won't. Might. We won't see the. We won't see <laughs> no, the Pittsburgh numbers from him in a Baltimore right. scheme because that's not the scheme they're going to run. No doubt. Does that concern you when a team like Kansas City kind of recognizes they're from behind and they are going to have to be passing more? We're going to cover zero. Like, is the is there truth to everyone saying Ravens just cannot physically come from behind? You just got to run better. Do what you do great. 
<laughs> to be honest, if you're not going to be able to do the passing and get the, the, the guys out there that you know that can win on some of those routes, and then you got to do what you do great, and that's running the ball. If you run the ball, the teams that I've ever come across that ran the ball and dominated the running the ball, they won the game. Gowie, everyone I mean, in the world said we gave up on the run too quick, and that's exactly what Kamara is saying. He's not saying we gave up, but that's what we do best. What do you think about that and the weapons going forward? I mean, it's funny because, once again, if you look at the games where we got you know pulverized, it's like we give up on the run, and it doesn't make sense to me. When we get to Tennessee, for some reason, we'll run the ball, and then we, we press the panic button when we're down. Uh, you know, 14 points, which I understand, but at the same time, you're down 14, so you start passing the rest of the game, and Lamar's throwing, what, what was it, like 50 pass attempts yeah. in the game? Like, come on, bro, cut it out. <laughs> so, with all due respect to Lamar, that's no shade to his arm, but, you know, the only people that throw 50 passes in the game is like a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady. Like, you, your athletic quarterback shouldn't be doing that. So, uh, and pretty much, like I said the last episode, the X factor for that game was supposed to be Mark Andrews. We seen Lamar drop him some pretty good passes. He, he was the X factor, him. just in the wrong <laughs> yes, direction. He, he was the, he was the X factor, and unfortunately, he let us down. I mean, he was targeted eight times, had like three catches for like twenty two yards, and even last year when we played Kansas City. Uh, he was coming off an injury, so we gave him the benefit of the doubt, but he had three catches for 15 yards. So it was like, that's why I made him the X Factor, because it's like, bro, we need you in these games because you're going to be the guy that Lamar looks for and you're his most reliable target. But altogether, I don't think that we're in trouble as far as our targets uh, right now. I just think it's a matter of scheme. Like Kamar said, we have to do what we do best, focus on the run. And when you focus on the run, you open up that passing game. So if you're killing with one thing, they got to try to make it. Uh, they got to try to make an adjustment to stop the other thing as well, and it just flows perfectly that way. But when you hand off the ball to Gus Edwards and he gets a nine-yard run, and the next thing you know, you're throwing on the following downs each time. It's like, all right, bro, now get back to what we yeah. were doing so we can get some yards. But yeah, man, it's. But one thing I will say, I do love how players like Nick Boyle step up, because I don't think a lot of people give Nick Boyle a credit for. Somebody that's supposed to be a predominantly blo- like blocker, most a predominant uh, predominantly at the time, but the fact that he showed up last game in 2019 and this game as the tight end to put points on the board or to get the most yards in the game. So that's one thing that I do love that we have a guy behind the guy that can kind of make that play, uh, make those plays. So I I just wanted to give credit to Nick Boyle on that because he did step up in that game and came up huge. All, all bad things from the game, but there's always going to be a couple positives. At the end of the day, it was third and eight, and the Ravens were down a touchdown. And they probably played the worst game that they could have played. So, with how bad, we know we got killed, and it was closer than it should have been, but that is football to a degree. And that's promising, and that's why I'm a believer in the Ravens, because it's not just the Ravens' offense that can be good. The defense, the special teams won. I mean, they missed four points of kicking. We scored a touchdown. Like, that's those are double-digit swings. So, it's week three. If we lose to Washington, this podcast next week will be different. <laughs> and, and, we'll, and, I mean, look, we started 2-2 two two last year, won 12 in a row, but uh, it is only week three. I believe we'll be fine. Score predictions, Washington football team versus the Ravens. Kumar, what do you got? Uh, 35-10. Ravens. Mm. 
I, I figure that's who you're going. They, 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 they shouldn't yeah, lose to them. Uh, that's Washington. Yeah. We don't lose to Washington. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I, I, I think it's going to be a blowout as well. I had, uh, what, 37-18. I think they'll be able to kind of, you know, get some things going offensively. I don't like Washington's offense, with all due respect. Dwayne Haskins, you know, that's my guy from Ohio State, but – um, I don't like their offense as of right now, chemistry-wise. So I feel like they're still figuring things out on that side of the ball. And against the Ravens' defense, that's going to be detrimental to them. Um, so that's kind of where I'm leaning towards as of right now. Um, I think if we stick to the run, you know, we get to Dwayne Haskins. Good thing about him is that he's not a scrambler. So you'll be able to take him down. But he's a big guy, so you still got to, you know, make your tackles, bro. Like, these getting – I think Ravens are at the top of the league not number one, but they're in the top of the league and missed tackle. So you got to be able to tackle this man. And, you know, we'll be able to pull this win out. I'm going 38-17. I think it's going to be one of our new patented, it's only new, uh, where we beat teams down and Lamar gets to sit out in the fourth or late in the fourth. I mean, RG3 would be nice to see him back in Washington where he started his career. That could be cool for him. Um, but I think if this is the team, you want to see a mental – adjustment which would mean like Kamar said we're better than this team if you're there mentally and you're there all week at practice there's no doubt that you should win this football game so we're all big on Ravens again uh as we should be in the <laughs> Ravens flock podcast but this was a great episode appreciate everyone for listening make sure you follow on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast we will talk to you next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.